Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live... F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast, brought to you by Half Fast Gaming, Truck Simulation and Truck Driving Sims, in partnership with Treeface Racing. Together, we can go fully fast. That's Half Fast Gaming. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready, and the F1 season is nearly upon us because the next show we do after today is a testing review. So that off-season has just fully flown by. Thank you so much for keeping us company during the off-season. I am surprised and stunned how few patrons left us over the winter. So that has been a massive bonus. And I've been delighted at the amount of new patrons that have joined us at patreon.com forward slash missed apex. We started a a one-year plan uh, around June last year to see if we could make a, a real go of this thing. And a lot of it is dependent on our listener and viewer figures uh, when we hit the Australian Grand Prix. So please just do me a favor and tell a friend, tell a friend about Missed Apex podcast, do a social media post, tag us at Missed Apex F1 or tell your friends on Facebook. We would be super, super grateful. And thank you to everyone who's left us iTunes reviews in the off season. We've had a surprising amount and believe it or not, those make a massive, massive difference. So please help us be top of iTunes when Drive to Survive comes on and attracts a load of new F1 viewers. Uh, I'm joined today by Chris Stevens. How's it going, Chris? I'm doing great, Spanners. I mean, it is the most wonderful time of year where the launch season is well and truly upon us and we are just knocking on the door of the 2020 Formula One season. A joyous time for us all. Obviously, a lot of the chat today will be Ooh, look at the pretty car. Which pretty car did you like the most? Um, and obviously people are kind of obligated to fill column inches. But there, there are a few things that we can just start to tease out, even if it's just a vibe, a feeling so delicate, you can only whisper it. 
absolutely, especially concerning uh, the top three teams and, you know, those who put on a nice big press event where we get to find out a little bit of extra information rather than just slapping a photo on social media. We get a bit of extra content so that we can talk about some nice newsy news. Some nice newsy news. Okay, we will cover some livery stuff in a little while. Uh, Matt isn't here today. Matt is in Italy with uh, Amanda Weaver at a Weaver Writes on Twitter uh, on the honeymoon that they never had. And I tell you what, Chris, Matt is a popular guy. The listeners like him a lot more than they they like you. Uh, that's not unfair to say. And the guys who like him, the guys who really like him, they really like him. So our patrons did a can't believe this. They put together like a PayPal pool and they bought Matt and Amanda dinner and a nice bottle of wine, like bought them dinner on a night out for their honeymoon, which was just lovely. I can't imagine them doing that for you. That's all I'm saying. I wouldn't need them to do that. Because no one loves you and you're never going to have a honeymoon. Uh, yeah, so uh, sorry, Matt will be back in a couple of weeks. I just like having him on because it's a, an American accent and it makes it, it makes it sound like the movies. Anyway, uh, we had a lovely tweet from Paul uh, at VG Dept who said, uh, in response to your tweet, Chris, that we were having a live stream, that they'd never looked forward to the end of the weekend more, which is a fantastic compliment. I hope I hope we can take the, some of the sting out of your Sunday evening and some of the dread away from going back to work. If not, uh, then you'll have to settle for us being part of your Monday morning commute because we are an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed with the kind permission of our better halves. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute, we might be wrong, but we're first. Uh, we're also joined in the shed today uh, with a rather dashing background by our super duper fast go kart and sim man, Alex Jeansy Van Jean. How's it going, Alex? It's going really well. Looking forward to be on, looking at pretty cars and talking about how the new season's going to go because it's finally back. It doesn't feel like it's gone away because we've been talking about it every week, but yeah. it's back and I am well excited. And, uh, you know, I know I give you a lot of grief uh, because I'm a terrible person and a bad friend, but I went and saw you at Covcart at the weekend and you were driving in the sopping wet rain, but you were way better than Kyle Power. You made him look like a right mug. Yeah, it was a bit wet and a bit windy, wasn't it? Um, yeah, no, I went from 24th to 24th to 5th and then decided I was going too fast for everybody else and let them have some time back. Um, so I decided to take a longer route around the circuit and um, then still got back to seventh. That's way too race. many details for a cart race that no one else <laughs> saw. But the point being is that you are just amazingly quick to watch in real life. And those who have watched our Missed Apex video will actually see that you were the only person who brought it toe-to-toe with Bradley Philpott. And by toe-to-toe, I, I do sort of mean your nose into the side of him when you, you kind of lost it for a second, but you were keeping pace. I never actually hit him, to be fair. Um, I, we got very close on certain occasions, but I never actually hit him. Um, he, he wouldn't have been facing the same way if I'd actually hit him. So. Point is, Chris, when Alex talks about racing, we listen. Yeah, but he saves the proper elbows out stuff for our karting videos, right? Oh, of course. That's the only time I get my elbows out, just when it's on camera. I don't I don't ever do it, actually, in my series. And we're also joined by Uncle Steve, our video man from down below. G'day, Steve. G'day, Spanners. 
Well, it's Monday morning, 6am here, just a bit after 6am. It's about 24 degrees. It feels like 28 degrees. It's 92% humidity, so now you know the whole thing. And the fires have stopped for all of those people that, uh, you know, were thinking about those. Thank you for your thoughts. And now those poor people have been through the fires are now having to contend with a bucket load of rain and flooding. I think Australia must have run over a black cat or something recently. Wait a minute. So are you guys like out of danger? Can I just start ripping on you guys again? Because it was killing me being sympathetic to Aussies. Oh, no, you can rip on us at any time. <laughs> we don't care. You're a pawn. <laughs> okay. Well, we're on that on that racist note, let's kick off. And in fact, we'll be going to Steve first. Steve, the Australian Grand Prix... A, it's going to be a little different this year. Albert Park, they're resurfacing it. And I would say maybe a long overdue layout tweak. Uh, yeah, it's not going to be for this race. It's just, you know, in a few weeks time. Um, they're now talking about resurfacing it for, well, it's been said for next year, but there has been some thought that it may actually be the year after. Christ knows, I mean, excuse me, it just takes them so long to make, you know, any kind of decision. Um, but it, it's long overdue. Um, it hasn't been resurfaced until uh, since 1996 when the race started there, so that's a long time ago. And it's used every day by traffic. It's public roads for the rest of the year, so it gets a lot of trucks and, you know, heavy vehicles running over it. It's very bumpy. And the north end of the circuit, um, you know, from four to uh, turn four through to about turn six or seven is really bad and bumpy and the camber's bad. That all really needs a lot of work done on it. But there's been some talk also of um, changing the layout to, you know, make better racing and give better overtaking. But they haven't made any specific uh, suggestions yet about that. So um, we'll have to wait and see just exactly what they come up with. Of course, the problem that the track has is that because it's only a semi-permanent facility and it's made up of public roads as well, and that's why it hasn't been resurfaced um, for so long. Uh, and and like you say, no kind of real detailed uh, ideas just yet. Uh, and uh, I think Alex will agree with me on this, that in the video games, it's really nice to drive. It, it feels really, really good, but it does have that basic kind of chicane, straight chicane straight um thing that doesn't really cater to great racing uh my only uh hope would be that they don't get rid of uh the high speed chicane at um turns 11 and uh, 12 i think it is uh because that is a the highlight of the lap uh and and b you do get some some really cool like shots um through there it's really great to watch um and i know that that part of the track was under scrutiny the last time they were considering changes yeah, I echo out the uh, the eleven twelve chicane is phenomenal, and they got some really great camera angles for that, that for that shot. So it really shows the speed of the cars, um, even how quick they are. First race of the season, um, yeah. No, it will be interesting to see what they do because all all the tarmac surfaces, if it hasn't been resurfaced since ninety six, to have lots of resurfaced areas, it will be interesting what it do to the tire wear. Interesting to do what it do to the grip, and actually might allow for more overtaking opportunities if there's more grip. Uh, j- sorry, just uh, quickly, Alex, explain that to me. Why would uh, more grip lead to more overtaking opportunities? Instinctively, to me, more grip kind of means you're kind of you're making the the turns less hard for the drivers, so less opportunity for overtaking. It means that hopefully offline it'll be better. So it means because the problem is because it's a street circuit, 
going offline is usually really dirty. That means trying to make that move is really difficult um, because you go offline, you get dirt on your tires, you can't brake as late, you can't outbrake anybody. That hopefully might make a change into some of the big stops. Firstly, uh, hello to the live chat room. Uh, Connor, Earl, Merkman, EJ, uh, Antoine, Paul, Lucas, Gust. Thanks for joining us. Go to youtube.com and search for Missed Apex Podcast and you can chat along when we do the live streams. I promised I would do a schedule of the shows coming up and I failed you, but I will. I'm going to make a web page at mistapexpodcast.com that, that says when the next few shows are coming up. But it's normally, if you think 8 p.m. UK time, you can't go too far wrong. Uh, Steve, uh, you had a point there when we were talking about the, the higher grip surface making for better racing. Yeah, you've also got to remember that that track, when it was laid down, was laid down for 1996 spec cars. And the cars these days are just you know, huge, have huge amounts of downforce and, are, you know, much higher performing cars. And so the track can't actually keep up with them anymore. So it really does need to be surfaced with a different surface that, you know, is better suited to the sort of racing we have these days. Yeah, Chris, I just, I really hope so, because every year there's all the build up to F1. And we go to Australia, which has a great atmosphere and it has a really good motorsport pedigree and it has great fans. But the circuit itself just doesn't tend to deliver mixed in with a kind of random element of the opening race anyway. And it just gives us no indication of how the season's going to go. And, and it has just delivered the odd damp squib. Yeah, but I think that's true of a lot of circuits. And certainly we have had some classics around Australia. I mean, 2010, 2011, 2012, spring to mind, 2013, just that halcyon period of, of Formula One. Uh, I think maybe it's fair to say since the tib- turbo hybrid era began, it has uh, gone away um, a little bit. Um, but I, I don't think that they should be making too many rash decisions until we see what like the 2021 cars can, can be like, for example, uh, because it might be fine. But then if you can make it better, then why not? Okay, so if we're going to look at this this year's race, perhaps just look at you, Gene Z. Uh, it, when we look at the track, are there immediate areas of the track where you think, well, if you just straightened out that chicane and made that straight faster, we'd get better overtaking? I think it's, you know, through the first complex, is it turn three, which is the right-hander? Maybe if they were arriving there a bit quicker, we'd get less of a procession? If for turn one, they made the corner a little bit tighter, so... For turn one, it's quite a fast fourth gear corner um, and you can carry a hell of a lot of speed in there. It's not a big braking zone. If you could extend the straight a little bit and turn it into a bit more of a 90 degree angle, you've then got a really hard braking point, which then you can have a lunge up the inside. Um, it then still also makes turn three the, poss- the possibility to overtake as well. Um, and where I said I love turn 11 and 12, there's also a cut through for the chicane before that where you could arrive at 11 and 12 even faster if you straighten that out a little bit as well. And then you'd get the um, attacking down to turn 14. The problem you get at turn one as well is that there's really only one line you can take through that. It's really difficult to get two cars side by side because if you just start taking it at a more acute angle, it's so easy to just run straight on at turn two. Yeah, usually when you get two cars side by side into there, one's going in the gravel. Or or Um, one's going over the, the top of the other, like Massa and, and Coulthard. Yeah, no, exactly. So it's it, it's a great, I love it to drive on whenever I raced it on a sim and it's such an exciting place to drive, but because it's got a lack of tight corners and heavy braking zones, that's what makes the overtaking difficult. 
Oh, look at us. Looking forward to Australia already. And I'm, I have to say that generally, I'm quite pleased with our audio, considering that we are a team of about 10 or 12 people, all with different equipment all around the world. Today, we have people from London, Boreham Wood, Australia and Bedfordshire. And then we'll have people from France with Joe. And we'll have Matt from across the pond, as well as having uh, Nick Alexander as well. Uh, from Canada, I think. So I think we do reasonably well. One comment people have made of late is that in cars, some of the panelists can sound, uh, can sound like their volume is lower. I, I will promise you the amplitude across all the people is the same because I even all that out meticulously. However, if you're in your car and you crank up the bass or you turn it up loud, some of the different mics are going to sound different and we are working hard to, to make sure that that we can upgrade everybody's mics whenever we can. So here's a pledge on air. If we can get, if we can get six new $5 patrons this weekend, this week, uh, we will hook Jeansy up with a road, uh, podcaster Mikey thing. And, uh, cause I gave him that. Did, did I recommend that mic to you, Alex? Uh, when we yeah, were... you recommended it and I got it from Maplin. Before yeah, it was they went because it was 25 quid. But that's where we were as a project at that time. So let's see if we can be a bit more ambitious and get Jeansy's audio upgraded. All uh, right, uh, let's move on and let's talk about China. So China, Chris, it's been officially postponed. And that is a headache, not just for Formula One. It's a headache without giving anything away. It might be a headache for some support series and their associated PR staff. Yeah, um, of course, every Grand Prix tends to come with uh, a nice big support package as well. Uh, and if it's not things like the Porsche Super Cup, it's uh, categories that are you know really banking on uh, drawing people in by being on the support bill of a Grand Prix. And that's a, that's a huge pull for uh, racing drivers who aren't necessarily on the, the pro end of the scale. Uh, and uh, that, yeah, that is happening with the Chinese um, Grand Prix. And it's, it's a huge blow, really. But ultimately, the only decision that, that could have been yeah. made. And it doesn't look like, realistically, it really doesn't look like there's going to be a place elsewhere in the calendar to, to put it later in the year. Taking out the obvious reasons of why we're not going, it's a shame just for... F1 as fans perspective because it always seems to produce a really high quality race we've seen some fantastic races when Ricardo came through to yeah, win uh, a couple of years ago it's always inclement weather there because it's always off and on um, so as as fans of the sport it's a real shame to lose it there's not really much they can do it's it's kind of you kind of have to go with it and Vietnam's apparently at risk as well uh, that's what I was going to say um I think Vietnam is – I'd be surprised if it, if it ends up running. I mean, Hanoi is only about 100 miles from the Chinese border. There's a lot of, you know, toing and froing across that border every day of the week. Um, and if Vietnam goes, we've then got a problem with how do we fit two races in at the, uh, you know, at the end of the season. It's just never going to happen. So this – this whole virus thing, I think, is going to have a fair amount of disruptive force for the big first half of this season. Yeah, just on uh, Hanoi, obviously they are very much looking at uh, the situation there and they have to continue to, to monitor it. What I heard last week was that they're not as worried about it as certainly say in, in uh, other countries, China in particular. Um, 
So, so that may still go uh, ahead, but uh, I think it's going to be a, a little while before we hear anything um, on that. Uh, chat room's asking about some of the other countries, places like Singapore and Japan. Obviously, they're a lot later in the year, so we have yeah, a, a little bit a little longer bit to, to kind of let the situation clear. So up. I've just seen Age uh, Hammer's comment, and, and he's basically saying it's a shame that Paul Ricard isn't in Asia very that is a naughty comment that cannot win comment of the week uh chris but the chat room are wondering who they should compliment to to win comment of the week uh we didn't sort this out because matt's not here so we're going to keep it a surprise so that you don't know but chris can you monitor for comment of the week yeah yeah I'll do okay, it, okay. Don't but just don't don't tell them or they'll don't just tell them that. shower you with compliments okay so coronavirus obviously very very serious because we are kind of at the start of the transmit, I'm not a scientist or a doctor, by the way, but we're at the start of the transmission from an animal disease to to human to human transmission, which is always very problematic, and it starts off very deadly. But these these things, as I understand it, as they mature, they tend to get less dangerous and more widespread, like the flu or the cold. Because if you're looking at it from the virus's point of view, if you kill too many of your hosts too quickly, then you can't spread. And the aim of the game is to survive and and evolve. But we are right in the kind of epicenter of it now. So it's it's completely understandable that it has to has to be cancelled. Very interesting uh, speaking to Chris Medland last week, and they were talking about the gamesmanship between the venue and the FIA. And it looks like that has been sorted amicably. So from a political point of view, I think common sense has prevailed. Now they talk about uh, putting it towards the end of the season. Chris, I think from a scheduling point of view, that's going to destroy the end of the season if they were to wedge it in between Brazil and Abu Dhabi. If they were going to make it the, the season finale, I don't mind China being the season finale, but they're not going to do that because Abu no. Dhabi pays the big bucks to be the season finale. Exactly. No, it is really, really hard. I mean, at best case scenario, you're going to create three triple headers or two triple headers or something like that. And that's that's just not the way that we can, we can do things anymore. And uh, honestly, I th- the, the most elegant solution is to just cancel it for this year. Um, of course, um, formerly has had to cancel its race in Sanya um, as well, which is due to take place, uh, I think, next month as well. Uh, and so there's a, lo- a lot of other... Um, we, we shouldn't um, discount as well regional championships as well uh, that go you know, all over uh, China. Uh, that have uh, already you know, cancelled the first round and uh, could could cancel other events as well. So they're really taking a big hit um, in in motorsport uh, because of this. And it's 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 going to be it is going to be a shame for the series if Hanoi goes as well. Not because I'm particularly excited about another street circuit, but just because look how Formula E suffers uh, when their schedulers do their normal thing. Like Steve, you might you must see this. Uh, they do their normal thing of doing a race and then having like a two-month gap. So you have all the build-up and go, there's a two-month gap. And then this season, they've been so unlucky to lose a couple of races. If F1's in kind of in danger of suffering that same kind of scenario? No, simply because it's Formula One. Uh, it, people are just going to forget you know, about it that, it, that it's on. Uh, and I think because this is such a unique case, it's been documented enough that people are aware of uh, the situation um I, I would just like to say as well if, if we do miss hanoi then i will be not upset but i will i would miss it because i was quite excited for it i'm gonna definitely miss it because it was a race that was going to be on during the daylight hours <laughs> we, we only get we only get three 
of those a year. Now it looks like two of them are going to be cut out. I, I love how miserable it is for, for you Aussies. I mean, to, basically, I mean, for the live stream, you have to get up at like five in the morning because normally well, you earlier are. Earlier than that. Yeah. Four no, o'clock. Usually. Normally you're kind enough to like monitor the video to make sure I'm not doing anything too stupid. And you're talking to us now at like 6am. Uh, yeah. So you only have three races. I guess the rest of the time you're having to like get up at like two, three in the morning. Oh, yeah. Well, the majority of the European races are at like 11 at night. Um, and so by the time the race is over, it's, you know, one o'clock or one thirty, or sometimes two o'clock. And then I'm up at four o'clock for the live stream, you know, to prep and get everything ready for the live stream. It's, I hate, I hate it. But that's how you got to, yes, what you got to do if you're yes. going to watch the races. Oh, I'm delighting in your misery. Ah, oh, whilst I feast on <laughs> Steve's being inconvenienced. Uh, Jeansy. Um, yeah, when it was announced during the um, deep in the, into the winter break that the uh, Grand Prix was the British Grand Prix was going to be about three o'clock in the afternoon, I had a bit of a whinge because it kind of gets in the way of family time and all that <laughs> kind of stuff. And Steve was like, "Go away! I have to get up at two o'clock in the morning." I I kind of feel sympathetic, but don't choose to live in Australia. Come move over here. Come on, we need your help here anyway. Chris Stevens, who chose to live in Australia? <laughs> Chris Stevens. Uh, Chat room is asking the obvious questions. Uh, why don't they uh, fill the allotted slot uh, with uh, another race? Uh, unfortunately, you know, because it's so last minute, it, it is nowhere near enough time to prepare a new a venue, not least get a commercial deal in place. Uh, other people are asking, uh, why don't they do it in the summer break? Unfortunately, the summer break is as short as it needs to be, and it is a mandated period of time you know it's contractually obliged and is already agreed between everyone who works in formula one so that is not an option either i mean to give you an idea of actually how late in the day it is all the freight is already on its way there they send a load of stuff by sea freight over to the over to the race it's already on its way to china i'm guessing it's gonna have to turn around and come back um that's how late in the day it is uh, visas have been applied for as toto wolf made so very clear during the mercedes launch Ah, here we are. We're into logistics admin. That's what you come to Mist Apex for. Do feel free to follow us all on our social media outlets. I've been trying to do Facebook more because I know a few of you are Facebook only. So you can follow me, Richard Reddy, on Facebook. And you can find me in in our Facebook group, which is Mist Apex Podcast. There's, I think there's nearly a thousand people in there now. And that is getting much more active in there. So come and join us on the Facebook group, but we're all kind of, we're all kind of Twittery. So at Spanners Ready, the show at Mr. Apex F1. Chris used to be, have an underscore, but he's like buckled to peer pressure. He's now Chris on racing on Twitter. Alex is Alex Van Jean and it's spelt weird. It's not how you would imagine at all. It's V-A-N, oh, J or G? G. G. V-A-N-G-E-E-N, two E's. That's too many. I'd have done E, then N, then another E. I didn't invent his name. And Steve Amy, I think, I suspect you lurk on Twitter, but under like a sock account and you don't tell anyone what it is, Steve. That's what I <laughs> no, think. No, mate, I've, I've never been on Twitter in my whole life, or Facebook for that matter. Someone in the chat room said, Steve always looks like he's two sips away from a full-on Aussie rant. It's one sip, so you're wrong there. Incorrect challenge. And I wouldn't put it beyond Steve to do a fake Twitter account just to troll us. That is exactly what he's like. Don't be fooled by that smile. I think this is the part of the show where we talk about beautiful cars. And yes, 
there is only so much you can tell by the liveries. Absolutely, the teams are showing you what they want you to see. And like Chris mentioned earlier with some of the support races, some of these these things aren't put on for you. Yes, we get to hear about them because journalists are paid to fill those column inches. And then there's a pressure because the teams know that it's going to be in the magazines and the, the, the YouTubes and the reviews like this, and we're going to talk about it and it's going to be in uh, on websites. They then have that feedback effect. But it's all a bit smoke and mirrors, isn't it, Chris? So I've been thinking about this a lot. Um, about a week and a half ago, Formula One put up a video about like the best F1 car launches. And they used to do great things like McLaren had the Spice Girls come and unveil their car. Renault did one where they just sent it off into the streets of uh, Venice or someplace uh, like that with Giancarlo Fisichella. They used to do such great um, things. And all we've had is the Twitter negativity. Ow, show the car already. And I think, do you know, the reason those events were great back then is because they weren't live streamed to to social media. Uh, if they weren't live streamed and they were just there, uh, the only people watching them were the people who were meant to be watching them, it would be a great, great thing. Okay, so I get the criticism. What you're saying is F1 fans as a whole were saying, hey, what happened to all those car launches? And then when they finally get yeah. them, they're then complaining. But to be fair, like Jeansy... Do we really, like, I, you know I love Toto Wolf. Like, I heart him. I want him to be my uncle or maybe even awkwardly aged dad if he'll adopt me. Uh, but, like, do we need half an hour of a obviously hungover Toto Wolf chatting before they t- awkwardly take the blanket off? Because it took them, I, if that was me, I'd have practiced taking the little blanket off the car. That is just from an admin point of view. That's what I would have done. It was still less painful than the Ferrari launch. I mean, Ferrari went completely over the top. And okay, it's great. They put some effort in, but oh my God. I mean, we were all pretty much watching that together and chatting on the WhatsApp. And we're all like, okay, can we see the car now? Okay, you're boring us now. I don't want to see ballerinas and dancers. Get on with it. Come on. I thought I was Um, being trolled, Chris. I thought I was being trolled hard. I thought they were doing it on purpose. Okay, the the ballet thing may have been a step too far, but the orchestra part of it was amazing. I loved that. Uh, I love the fact that they just they put on this event. And I will say, if you were one of the people, you know, sat in 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 what was it, a gorgeous uh, building that I cannot uh, pronounce. Whoa, the name okay, of. you right, you're part of this conspiracy. Here's what I think happened. With that <laughs> ven- I don't know that venue. I'm not cultural or whatever. I didn't go to the private schools, right? But I think that venue gave it to Ferrari for free. And they said, look, if you give it to us for free, we will definitely go on and on about what a great venue it is. To the point like Vettel comes out and they're like, look at this car. But first, a word. What about the fantastic venue? And Vettel, who clearly didn't care how good this, the 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 theatre he was in, was like, uh, yeah, I guess the theatre's nice. Yeah. Can I just say, if I was putting on an F1 car launch in, even if it was in a rec centre... I would say, oh, you just just, just mention and say thanks to the Rex. Yeah, you're such a PR guy now, Jeansy. I mean, I bet it was a beautiful venue, but it was so dark. It was blacks and reds. You couldn't see the venue. And then when the car came out, they just bathed it in a red light because I don't think they want people to realise it's probably still orange. I think it is orange. That's a good point. Like when it first came out, obviously the lighting was intermittent on it. And Steve, I know you're a graphics and a colour guy. I think they've done it again. They've made an orange Ferrari. 
I think that when it gets out in the sunlight, it will be orange like it was last year. But what blew me away was all of that fanfare went on for half an hour. They bought the car out and bought out the drivers and asked Seb what he thought about it. And he said, oh, well, it's redder than last year. Yep. <laughs> and that, that, that was his comment about the car. I thought, my God. Where should we go? Uh, Chris Stevens. Yes, I make better points. Um, what you'll find about the, a lot of a lot of modern livery design is that the number one priority is how does it look on TV and how it looks on on photos because that's your marketing material, right? No one cares what it looks like in the flesh because only like five percent of your audience are actually going to see it in the flesh. Uh, let's get a point from Van Jean. Very style conscious. I'm loving your designer stubble. I'm very jealous of it as well because you've just got you've got that like. Two or three days of growth, which is just, it's super sexy. I'm not, my bread's not buttered that way, but I can acknowledge that. Because before I came to see you at Covcart, I, I had what I thought was a similar super sexy growth to you. And my wife, before we left, she went, oh, that's got to go. So she made me go and shave it before I turned up. You were a proper baby face. No, yeah. talking about baby faces, um, <laughs> what I was going to make was Charles Leclerc looked like a kid going up for an assembly. <laughs> He just looked so out of place in his little in his little suit. Um, bless him. But um, but uh, to be fair, with all these launches, with everything that goes on, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, Ferrari, especially Ferrari this year, need to produce a car that actually gets on track and performs from day one. It looks aggressive. There's a lot of really aggressive looking new tweaks to the cars this year. And um, but that's the key thing for Ferrari. Look, well, by sounds of it. They have addressed the kind of main remaining issues from from last year's car, which we know had potential. And I think we spent the first half of last season saying Ferrari should have won that race and that race and that race. Uh, and the key word of that launch was downforce. And that seems to be the most extreme area where they've aimed for, whether they've hit it or not, seems to be the unanswered question. Um, we've got to remember that at this time last year, Ferrari came out and were very fast during testing, and everyone thought they were going to, you know, have a very good start to not the season. Not everyone, Steve. They, not everyone. Well, okay, but all indications were that they were going to have a pretty good start to the season, and they got to Australia and everything fell apart. I mean, that could happen again now. Talk about they've got to come out running. Yes, they do, but they've got to sustain it as well. But last year at testing, um, Mercedes had been at the beach filling up bags. And um, I, I will not believe a single bad word coming out of the Mercedes camp at all this year. Not believing it. Um, as far as I'm concerned, if they tell me they're rubbish, then they're miles ahead. Um, but uh, well, no, I, I think there's a bit of hope. If you're a Ferrari fan, uh, Chris, I think there's a bit of hope because you've got uh, a second season, Charles Leclerc, third season in F1. I think you've probably got a legitimate superstar in the making there. And... The noises we're hearing are they're going away from the low drag, high speed philosophy. Yeah, I will believe it when I see it. Um, seems to be the key phrase around Ferrari. Uh, and uh, as Vanji you know, mentioned, their biggest weakness has been their operational side of things. It doesn't matter if the car is three seconds a lot quicker than anything else on track. If they keep making these mistakes, they're not going to be winning races and of course we have to address the elephant in the room at ferrari which is sebastian vettel who needs to cut out those mistakes otherwise he won't have a drive in the future okay well yeah and i i feel for 
I do feel for Sebastian Vettel fans because they rode a really kind of high wave in, in the Red Bull days. And obviously they saw Daniel Ricciardo come in, Vettel not doing so well as the hybrid era started. And it's been a desperately, desperately, desperately frustrating time watching him at Ferrari. This could be the season. If Ferrari can deliver a, a high downforce package, then that could be the season for Sebastian Vettel. We know he needs it to really be planted in the rear end. And he's had a Ferrari team that have gone back to like 1950s where they've said, you know, uh, aero is for teams that can't make engines. And still, you know, Bonotto is making great noises. Ferrari now have absolutely the best engine. They're very engine, straight line, speed focused. But if, if, Chris, if they can go for a really high downforce package and they have the engine power to push through that, as Mercedes have done in the turbo hybrid era, that could be, Seb, that could be Sebastian Vettel's absolute wheelhouse. It could well be, but do Ferrari still have the superior engine, especially with all the positive noises coming out of Mercedes? Oh, I thought you were going to say Renault, because obviously we know Renault have got... Oh, the best. heavens, no. <laughs> no, in fact, they've not got the best engine yet, but they do have a sketch, a hand-drawn sketch of a really good engine that they've in shown five people. years' time. <laughs> okay, so are we going to say, I want to roll back to the top three, but are we going to say the Renault launch was like the worst, most pointless fail launch? So I hear some. Hear, if you're going to do release some online pictures, release some online pictures. That's fine, but don't have yeah. an event and then show online pictures. What was um, quite funny about it is that they said, "Oh, n- no one, you know, is is ready with their car at this stage." Meanwhile, the very same day, Red Bull were running their car at Silverstone. <laughs> It's a ridiculous comment to make that the cars, they've got to be on track in two days. You know, it's, they got to be ready, but yeah, to actually have a launch, an actual official launch and not have a car is poor, which worries me for Renault. Worries me for Danny Rick because I'm a big Danny Rick fan. And, um, yeah, I, I, I'm worried for Renault. Steve, I don't have a good hand, Steve, I don't have a good hand signal for you. So I'm just going to point down because that's the direction, that's the direction you're in from me pretty much so steve make your point okay well my point was much the same i mean i'm worried about renault too i read some an interview that um the mumble gave um yesterday i think it was uh and instead of talking about the car and how good it was going to be all he was talking about was the new management structure he had and you know how that will be will you know be advantageous to them when you say that's when you say he, are you talking about Cyril Abitable? Uh, yeah, the mumble, mm. the French. The, oh, I see. I thought I thought the mumble was an Australian journal that I'd not heard of, and I didn't want to appear ignorant. So I was like, "Oh yes, no, no, I'm a I'm a very keen reader of the mumble dot com." Obviously, the stakes are a little higher for you because it's Daniel Ricciardo, and this really yes. is the kind of do or die season of did that did that gamble pay off? And he's already making noises of saying. You know, I won't stay uh, at Renault for the sake of it. It it was. uh, How do you feel as an Aussie? Um, I'm frustrated by his move to Renault. I thought there might have been some good to to come of it. I think at its very best, what it's been is a place that he's been able to store. You keep racing and store himself, and hope that at the end of this year, something will open up and he'll end up in a red suit next year. Um, And it depends on what. Yeah. Sebastian Vettel does, of course, and, and what he feels like. 
But if Charles Leclerc has a good year this year and is, you know, much better than Sebastian, then I think it's possible that Sebastian will disappear out of racing and I think that Danny will end up in a red suit. And he looks good in red, so I think that'll be all right. What I will say about Renault is that things do seem a little bit tidier in terms of the people working there. You know, the the, the working group as a whole now has a stable CEO. Obviously, that was a very hot topic over the off-season. And I, I get the feeling that there's no intention to leave Formula 1 from the team's point of view anyway. I mean, you don't go around signing the people that they have signed to work on that car if you're not going to be in Formula 1 next year. So the, the ball is going to be on their, you know, in their court to deliver, but the decision will still come down to you know the top brass. Okay, last point from you, Steve, because literally only Aussie F1 fans care about yeah. Renault at this point. I just want to make a point deriving from what Chris just said. If I was looking to sell the team next year or the year after, I'd probably still be looking at putting in some good people because that just increases the sale value of the team itself. If you're going to sell it as a going concern, well, it's a going concern with some good technical people in it. So they could still pull out French or fickle. I mean, we just don't know. And uh, hello to all our French listeners and Steve's views on your ability to stick to a position. Don't represent Missed Apex Group as a whole. Uh, who is the, Chris, who is the, is it Mazapan that I was trying to start a rumour was buying Renault? There we go, Mazapan, that is the one. It's going to be Mazapan F1 in 2021. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Uh, Let's go to Red Bull. Let's get on the hype train. Okay, so what I've done the last three seasons is I've got on the Red Bull hype train and then I've quietly got off it quite quickly. So I'll set out my stall here and say I think the goal from where Red Bull were last season to to where Mercedes are, if Mercedes continue, you know, if they don't drop off, I think that golf is probably too big. But for some reason, I'm getting I'm getting real, real optimism this season. Uh, Chris, Mist Apex understands a couple of things 
that is making yeah. me optimistic. Yeah, absolutely. Lot of positivity coming out of Red Bull, especially straight out of the the shakedown, which apparently went very, very well, um, indeed. And it's just a it's just a good feeling. I mean, there's a lot of talk around uh, the Honda development, which seems to be going really, really well. We know the chassis can deliver. We know the drivers can deliver. They just need to hit the ground running in Australia. Oh, that, it's, hitting the run, ground running is the key thing, isn't it, Steve? That's that's really where they've lost momentum in the past few seasons. Well, they, need, they really need to go this year. The last two years they've come out, um, everybody's talked the big game before the actual testing started, and then they've been weak from then on, and they've lost momentum through the first half of the season. Well, maybe not quite the first half, but for the first half dozen races they've lost momentum and it's taken a long time to pick it back up again this year honda have got seemingly got their engines together and they've done their bit it's time for the team to come out put the whole thing together and really blast off from the very start of testing and to take it to the other two so connor uh, mayor hello connor in the chat room has said tell us what you understand yeah sorry i said mr apex understand stuff which is our code for we're pretty sure, but we're not journalists. So please don't like, don't, don't put your mortgage down at the bookies uh, for this. But the information that we have is that that test, that shakedown not only went well, it went down flawlessly and a little bit of information from basically their dyno and where they, where they run the engine is that they've already done 7,000 kilometers at performance spec which is like 10, it's an order of magnitude higher than they ever managed with the Renault. So, I mean, if they have, if they have, Chris, if they have that reliability and a bit of performance, they can unleash the beast of their real strength, which is the aero. And the buzz I'm getting is that the aero team has never been happier with a package in the turbo hybrid era. Like they are absolutely delighted. And there's a few areas, obviously the nose is the, the, the area getting a lot of attention from the launch. Yeah, I'm sure the tech heads can go and work out what's going on under there. Some lovely, nice aero trickery of some sort. I mean, we know that um, their nose has been a, a, a big part with the S ducts that they used to help channel airflow yeah, through oh, the car. Right, I read, I read something. I read it in a magazine. So it was in Race Car Engineer. Are you familiar with that? Is it Race I'm Car Engineering magazine? Very, very familiar. So it was an article by Gemma Hatton, who was talking about how the nose... Because so so the old Red Bull nose was quite sort of downy, and then this one's kind of got like more of like an otter nose. It's got like a a duct in it, and uh, the the article seemed to suggest that 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 aggressive change in the nose is to help the S duct. Which okay, I'm not an expert in these things, but generally it's like it's a way to tidy up the airflow under the car. So it's taking stuff from the front yeah. and tidying up. And and what I've heard from from sources close to Red Bull is that they are really confident that that is going to make the front end super, super pointy. Yeah, I, I still think that the focus point and the sort of limiting factor is going to be the power unit. Uh, and of course, it's always a, a big war. You know, Mercedes have made strides to to push theirs even further. We know they've been pretty much, you know, the benchmark, not necessarily in terms of outright power, but in terms of performance throughout the entire season. And, you know, even the the one weak spot, that they had last season where in in hot temperatures they would lose performance they have addressed that by just making it operate at a higher temperature 
and improving the cooling. Some nice bigger radiators are in there as well. And actually, mm. using the lessons that they have learned from Formula E, which they have now entered, and putting that back into their hybrid components of the power unit. So I tell you what, the chat room is underwhelmed with my explanation of how, oh, really? how that knows my health. Yeah, S duct. So I can only advise two things. Go and check out that article in Race Car Engineering and go and see Summer's stuff, Matthew Summerfield. Now, Matthew Summerfield is in the live chat uh, and had circumstances been just that tiny bit different, he'd be joining us on the stream today. I am going to catch up because Matt is on holiday. I am going to catch up with Matthew Summerfield Monday or Tuesday in the week. And I will attempt to ask him tech things. Don't worry. I won't say lots of things. It will be mostly, hey, Summers, tell us about the tech stuff. And then he will say things. So that's our that's our plan going forward. Uh, Jeansy already rolling his eyes at the prospect. I think, in fact, Jeansy, you'd be a good person to have on the tech shows because I think you would ask the questions that a lot of people are asking, like, what? Well, yeah, I, you know, for me, I got into karting late i got into motorsport i've been in motorsport my whole life but i've been a user you know i get in my car i drive i've done thirty thousand miles in the last 12 months i get in my car and i put my foot on the throttle and it goes that's kind of as far as my engineering knowledge goes so often when i'm listening to a lot of these tech shows matt and matt and summers will talk about stuff that sounds really impressive but i i get lost and i feel like there's people who want to ask the question so i've always wanted to be in one of those shows to go um excuse me what does that mean hey well look, um, look matt's in charge of tech time and he's not here so i guess we can just do whatever we want jeansy so let's we'll hook that up right so we've covered ferrari i will uh, we were being overly negative i think uh with that launch yes hats off to their creativity they did not need that lad uh, in monotone to sit and talk to us for what felt like eight hours. I don't think that bit was needed. Or he could have had ballet dancers in the background to distract us. Uh, the the Red Bull launch, far more simple, pragmatic. Here's what we're doing. Oh, also one tech thing, because I want to go to Mercedes briefly. Mercedes are going to be good, so that should be quick. Red Bull, if you look at the rear, here's a thing I definitely noticed and didn't have pointed out to me. Uh, if you look at the rear of it, they've essentially made another wing or diffuser out of the, the wheel hubs. So the wheel hubs have come up, the suspension arms are coming aggressively up and out at a right angle, making a new little wing on the back. Notice Mercedes had something a little bit similar, but I think Red Bull are particularly chuffed. I think they, they, I think, they think they found, let's hope that it's more double diffuser than McLaren you know the the sort of sales that they did one year that they quickly dumped uh gene z then steve i've really found this year through looking at everything everyone seems to have thrown a lot at this year last year of regulations and it seems like everyone's really properly going for it which i think none of us really expected i think a lot of us expected it to be very much just a slight evolution on last year but everyone's been mega aggressive it's really awesome to see yeah, I got to agree with you, Alex. I was one who thought this year would be a, de- a development desert and no one would bother doing anything and just keep it all for next year. But I'm pleasantly surprised. They seem to be throwing, you know, real effort and brains at it. And the thing about the, uh, the, the suspension development, the POU, um, that's kind of, I think a lot of teams are pursuing that pretty heavily this year um, and they're moving it. I mean, they developed it on the front end in the last two years and now they're trying to do that same stuff on the rear end suspension. And um, obviously what they're trying to do is clear up the airflow 
through that part of the car so yeah. it's clean and Obviously. not, not you yeah. know, got stro- strakes and things running through. That's a little obvious, Steve. I, I was just about to say that as well. And I, I also knew that the correct term was a, a PRU for that system. So don't don't feel super smug about that. Uh, Chris, right, before we go on, to, you had one point on Red Bull, but also I want you just to quickly cover what's going on with Mercedes. Yeah, so I'm just kind of two things on the, you know, evolution, revolution thing. I think most teams are going for an evolution. And what can be quite deceiving um, about kind of how much development that uh, goes on, you know, over the off season is when when some people like put it, oh here is last year's car against the car they've just launched. The car you see from last year was a the launch car, which is not really a direct comparison. If you were to oh, compare the Abu Dhabi yes. spec car against the 2020 launch car, you would see far fewer um, differences. That said, obviously they are trying to push the boat out because this is the last year that they can work on with this set of regulations. Uh, Michael Dusselhoff in the chat makes a really good point, which is, um, that's your cue, man. Steve talking about a POU. I don't get it. What's a POU? Oh, I see where you can, right. In that, I try, I took the opposite approach. I tried to pretend I knew what he was talking about. And I thought he said PRU, but it was like just his Australian accent was throwing me that. Yeah, PRU. Uh, so you can see where I went wrong there. Whatever the anagram is, I didn't know what it Steve, was. Steve, what I is it? I know you didn't. You, you, you like to wing it. But I'm did I Did I not convincingly speak with an unearned authority? I thought I had. Uh, yeah, Steve, but I, I know you better than what that. What is a POU? A, the push rod on upper. Oh, so it was R. It was R. Vindication, no, my friend. Push rod yeah. on upper. Oh, I see. Okay, I'm completely just, lost. A, a, just a way of getting that upper p- uh, arm of the suspension at a flat angle so that it's able to control airflow better. And they put an extension on it that runs down to the hub Dear and connects it back for its operation. How did Trumpets and Summers do this every time? They're heroes. That's what they are. Uh, Chris, Mercedes, they're going to be good. Uh, I think that they there's nothing to say with their record. They're not going to hit the ground running and be at a really high standard and develop really well. Uh, but they've got a new red bit on top, so totally different. Yeah, Enios partnership. I'm sure that's a, it's a nice commercial deal for them. Really, you know, the biggest thing you know, was uh, the improvements in the, the cooling of the engine. Ah, right, uh, okay. Well, let's linger on that because... That has been the biggest weakness, probably, of of the Mercedes car is that they they run that performance versus reliability and cooling uh, uh, equation really tight, and they always have done. So if they're going even narrower, that that makes me worry. Well, well, what they've done is they've made the engine operate at a higher temperature now. So okay. That they- so and, and then they've instantly then compensate instead of going oh we can run at a higher temperature so now our current cooling systems can deal with it they've said our engine can run at a higher temperature therefore we need less cooling and i think this is the one small weakness in their engineering philosophy they have improved the cooling with bigger radiators oh right but it looks smaller yeah but but the radiators themselves are a, are better. a, a little bit bigger. Mm. It's almost it's, like they know better than me Chris. It's a it's a slight it's a very clever engineering design. Of course that you do have to compensate there's a little bit of extra weight but I'm sure that they have um, plenty to to go around um, as well. Talking about looking smaller um the thing that's been really really uh, obvious to see is the fact that um every single car looks mega tightly packaged. It's like they've all got really on top of the engines now and have been able to absolutely shrink wrap 
those bodywork around the um uh, around the engine bays you know you've got the big high um uh, uh radiators coming in and then everything is completely shrink wrap in it's so awesome to see the real progress in this here i've got two quick points one is I agree with you, Alex. If you look at the side pods and look at what they're doing with these new letterbox um, uh, you know, inlets, I, I want to know how they're getting enough air into the car to run the cooling system um, because they're just blanking it off, you know, making it tighter and tighter each year. One thing I will say as well is I, I, I wasn't um, not I, – I, I, I was very keen to point out in 2017 how big a leap that the cars took in terms of their aesthetics. They looked phenomenal. They looked even better in 2018. In 2019, we took an even bigger step. And I just love seeing the fact that these cars are still fantastic looking and they're going to look immense on track as well. And I know the 2021 cars, you know, are probably going to look really, really cool. But I will say I will miss yeah this era of car because they are the, the the best thing about 2014 is that it has made every subsequent new launch car look good because we all looked at 2014 and we went well those cars look disgusting they make me want to be sick in my mouth but we all know that cars get more attractive the more you get used to them the 2014 cars didn't they look disgusting all season and every subsequent f1 car has been beautiful in comparison i have to agree with you i think this year the cars look particularly aesthetically pleasing uh the mercedes somehow they've just, the teal they've, the extra teal the red on top it just looks gorgeous i've never been really a fan of the mercedes livery but they've absolutely nailed it what Mercedes no, really has always it, been but... one of the best looking cars, but I'll tell you which car has really struck with the fans. God, it's going to be the Alpha. Is that, yeah. is that the one you're talking about? Right, no, wait, wait, stop that. Alpha? Stop. I've solved this problem. I've solved <laughs> it. Because everyone's like, oh, what are we going to call it? Alpha Tori, Alpha Romeo, blah, 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 blah. Right, okay. It's not my fault, right? I, I am a, what, a presenter of a podcast. So as a presenter of a podcast, it's not my fault that two teams decided to call themselves Alpha something, right? And it's not any of the journalists or commentators' fault at all. Naturally, both those teams would be called Alpha. So Alpha Romeo would always be shortened to Alpha all day long, right? And Alpha Tauri or Alpha Tauri would also, also always be shortened to Alpha if it was the only Alpha team. Therefore, the only sensible solution is to refer to both teams as Alpha all the time, and just assume that everyone will glean from context which one we're talking about. So for the rest of the season, I'm going to make no effort to differentiate which alpha I'm talking about. Fair enough. I might just call it a Tauri. No, no one knows that. Okay, maybe we should call them. It is Tauri, not Alpha Tauri. It's not some Boris Johnson nickname. Fine, I'm never going to get that far. So it's just alpha. It's fine. You're telling me things I don't need to know. can I can I tell you something that will actively uh, be interesting and uh, you know big up the Toro Rosso uh, fans? Sorry, the who fans? What, the, oh, what, what is this, damn it! It's what, happened already. What is this team of which you speak? This uh, this ancient the Minardi fans. Yeah, um, save it, uh, save it, Chris. There's still time. Rescue it. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. So obviously they have a history of uh, basically just taking the back end of last year's um, Red Bull. 
And that's worked really, really well for them. The, uh, the way Toro Rosso operate is that they take as many listed parts as possible from Red Bull so that they can focus on other areas. But the good thing about the parts that they're taking this year from Red Bull is that now they have been actively designed around Honda's power unit. So it's, it's, it's just a little bit more optimized. And for a team that, you know, scored two podiums and finished sixth in the championship last season, what are they going to be able to do this season? Well, the thing I'm most pleased about with the Alpha Tauri move um, is at least they haven't changed the name to Alpha Tauri and kept the livery exactly the same as what it's always been. At least it's almost a complete and utter rebrand. And I mean, some people are calling it a cut price Williams uh, from oh. 2000 and whatever it was, but Gosh. I really like it. I, I, it actually really struck me. Nice to have a proper bright white car because the other bright white car doesn't really matter anymore. Um, so yeah, I, I actually really like the AlphaTauri livery, despite the terrible, terrible name. Yeah, I like it too. I don't care if it's a dog. I'll smile every time it comes around on the TV screen. It, when they pulled the uh, curtain off that, I had to take a big, deep breath in. It's one of the most stunning-looking cars I've seen in a long time. It's clean, it's elegant, and very different. Sure, it still has that big negative space um, Red Bull Bull in the middle of their logo, but it looks very different, um, you know, to the Red Bull team um, this year. And I think that that's good. I agree. And from a color point of view, like I'm not, I'm not the biggest color guy. To me, colors are generally the same. So I don't see why someone would go, "Oh, red is really good here, but blue isn't." Like they're they're just they're the same. You just pick whichever one. But anyway, I get shouted at this all the time, and I can tell James is going to shout at me as well. The 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 I think the the risk here this season is you've got some really smart looking cars that might make the grids kind of look quite samey. So in the sunlight, I think your your Alpha and your Mercedes and your Williams are all going to look quite similar, and then you're you're going to have quite a bland grid. Like there's only the 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 Force Stroll that's pink, but where there's no there's no crazy luminous. You know, there's no uh, crazy Eddie Jordan uh, uh, shark fin thing. It could be a very stylish but very bland grid. I think that's the only that's the only danger. Uh, let's let's look at the Mercedes car because again, Mercedes took a new twist to uh, to their old theme. Somehow, it just looked better. It's almost like there's a like a shared group think with the design where the trim. Am I saying these things right, Steve? the darker trim or the trim element of the colours has been more prominent on all of the cars, kind of accentuating and making the cars look sleeker and more aggressive. Well, that's probably true, except with... I think Mercedes have taken a step back with the look of their car. They've taken some of the blue-green highlights off it uh, and made that sweep up along the side of the car a lot cleaner and simpler, and they've put a bit more emphasis on the uh, logos that are fading off on the engine cover, which I quite like. I think that looks really good, particularly with the one red one that's still there for Nicky. Um, but I think they've taken a step back. I think last year's car, from a colour scheme point of view, looked better than this year's. Me and Steve are agreeing on a lot today. I agree. I, I'm not, I wasn't a big fan of the Mercedes livery. Um, however, what it does do is accentuate Lewis Hamilton's new purple lid. Which I think looks, which I think looks absolutely awesome. Really, really purple nice is the change. new red. Well, it's it's been really nice. I had somebody say to me, uh, David Whitehouse, say to me um, the other week, which is, I wish you'd stuck to yellow. But the thing that I've liked about the change of the lids is 
it's evolved. He didn't just go from yellow to something else. It's evolved and moved forward. So the new yeah, no, looks, looks Gene, you, know you are bang on there. It's evolved from the kid that was idolizing Senna and having that great yellow lid. Brilliant, fantastic. Go for that, and then. Uh, and then in the Mercedes time with Rosberg, go to the white helmet, the white and black, and then really go into that kind of shiny uh, red and white. And then now he's kind of, he seems to just be, you know, not conforming anymore to what a racing helmet should be. He is doing a very Lewis Hamilton racing helmet, and it's quite a high fashion, high style thing. So I think that's the most Lewis Hamilton look that he could come with. I, right. think, he, I think he's listening to too much Prince music. <laughs> there we go. Purple Rain, baby. Uh, Chris, the Alpha team uh, came out on track, not with a full launch, but went out testing with a camo livery. So that's uh, an approach we've seen from some teams. What can we expect from Alpha? Yeah, they did the same thing that they did um, last year. Um, hopefully what they get this year is a little bit more of a consistent season. Obviously, it really hit the ground running last year and it really um, tapered off much to Antonio Giovinazzi's um, frustration because G- it was in the Giov- second half. Giovinazzi. Yeah, Giovinazzi. G- Giovinazzi, uh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah Giovinazzi, okay. G- Giovinazzi, yeah. Okay. Uh, that was when he started really coming on strong and it just went unnoticed because Alpha wasn't, Alpha Romeo wasn't scoring. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't matter. That second word yeah. didn't register. Right, I'm bored of how pretty the cars look. I think we've paid that enough lip service, haven't we? Oh, come well, on. All right, come on then. What? No, I, I got one thing to say about I, McLaren. The the race suit, the race cover pants are terrible. They are the worst. They look like Teletubbies. I, I can't remember what they look like. I think the car looks phenomenal. But what I will say about the McLaren, I think it's fair to say this is the first James Key McLaren, uh, the one that he'll have proper influence over. So I'm uh, quite excited to see you know how that brings the team forward because it needs to uh, a little bit. They need to at least start closing the gap. Jeansy. The thing that most surprised me about the McLaren was it's like it's got a cape over the back, which no one else seems to have as you come across the rear end of the car. It's got a cape over the rear, which looks really, really good um, and actually looks the most different of all the others. I'm, um, well, I've got a bold, I've got a bold claim for, for later when it comes to McLaren. So We're going to do it. We're going to do some wild speculation to finish the show off. Don't you worry. Dick Wolf in our Slack group says, Will reducing the amount of test days have a big impact on testing? For example, Mercedes only unlocked their potential on the last day. It's not going to have much of an effect on Williams. Am I right? Am I right? Because that's the same amount of days they had last year. Of course it's going to make a difference. They've taken away a quarter of their testing days. Why? Ask Why? any Why do team- they do it, Chris? Why? Save money. That can't be, no. Okay, fine. But it's being televised. The less days is being televised. So you think it will affect them. But like we always say about qualifying and free practice, the less time you give drivers to prepare, the more exciting and mixed up the grid is. So maybe giving the teams less testing means that whatever part of the early season we do get non-corona affected, the that will be better. So bring on slightly less testing. Yeah, I, I I think so. We we might hit a hit a sweet spot. There is an argument that you know sometimes more testing that means all the teams become optimized. But I think with the current formula we have, that that doesn't quite uh, work out. So if you want more unpredictability, then yeah, for sure. All right, let's get to some crazy predictions. Uh, we had some questions from our Slack group. APD said there will be. A, I think we've covered this a bit. A lot of tea leaf reading will be done in the next two weeks. How effective do we think it is? 
many journalists and analysts will be trying to make assessments based on publicly available data. Who among them has the best data? In other words, whose punditry is worth paying attention to, if any? Let's let's just boost up the journals that we have skin in that game. Uh, okay, hang on. I can edit that bit out. The ones you should listen to are definitely Summers, F1, uh, Joe Sayward, Chris Medland, and and anything that Chris puts out or tweets. There we go. I think that's that. <laughs> I, I have the seal of approval. I don't know. You used to be a journalist, but you know when you had to produce copy that you'd get to this kind this time of the season and editors would be saying, you need to say a thing about Red Bull now. You need to say a thing about well, Alpha and you need to say a thing about Alpha. Well, I, I, actually, it would. It's kind of the opposite way around, where you you kind of go in and say, "I think we should do something something about this." It wasn't. You never really had like a list of, "Oh, we should do something about this," unless it was like, "Oh, we get like ten times more clicks on this kind of story than we do on another kind of story." Therefore, we want you to go in and do something um, about that. Yeah. Um, and especially from testing, like I, I went to testing uh, once as a journalist in 2017. And um, that was a, a really interesting time, especially just because I had complete freedom over what I could, you know, yeah. what I wanted to to do. And um, so, did you end up producing some really great content um, out of that? Did so, any? Yeah, um, basically, if I share anything, it's it's worth reading. Did any senior F one journalists go on a two day Twitter rant about you going to testing? No, okay. uh, yeah. I I hope not. <laughs> you got away with it then. <laughs> you got away with it. Uh, right, uh, Clappers leads us into our predictions. Tell you what, we'll do a couple of season ones and we'll do some testing ones as well. Um, week one testing asks Clappers, who is going to be last on track, first to break down, quickest and slowest, and who do you predict will go backwards in 2020 by putting all their eggs in the 2021 basket? Van Gene, right, wild speculation, entirely allowed, almost encouraged. In answer to that question, except from the go fastest bit, the answer is Williams. Um, and fastest, actually in testing, will be Ferrari. Ferrari will be t- fastest in testing. Um, my my wild speculation: McLaren will trouble the top three. Oh, I think that's a big call. I get your optimism. I, I'm I've they've got the drivers. Michael Key is brilliant, and James Key, sorry, is brilliant. And um, I just think the car looks good. They finally seem to be back in their stride and they've got the funk of Fernando Alonso off of them. Um, However, I am going to be mega boring and it is going to be seven world titles and seven in a row. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't, don't mess with Fernando Alonso. Like, have you not seen his Twitter account? He is basically a super special army man. All right. Don't mess with him. Look at his Twitter photos. His, His training sessions in the gym is basically the same as being a serving soldier. So definitely don't I will, mess with Fernando. I will Alonso. always go after Fernando now because he picked on Summers. I know, and, free um, publicity. And Summers has an army behind him now. So Summers was... Protect Summers. Summers, is he still in the chat room? Summers was delighted with that. He had a full day after Fernando Alonso quote tweeted him and called him like pathetic and small-minded. Summers is like, yeah, cheers easy. Thanks for giving the weight of your massive Twitter account to me. I would advise anyone looking for publicity to slag off Fernando Alonso. Pot called the kettle back with Fernando Alonso, Alonso saying pathetic and small-minded, really, isn't it? I, I always liked the broken F1, to be honest. He spoke his mind. I, didn't. I always liked him. But if you're a really famous F1 driver, maybe you don't need to just go I after can, I, journalists. 
I can pinpoint my time I lost respect for Fernando Alonso, and it was right at the end of qualifying in Hungary in 2007. What did he do? He screwed over Lewis Hamilton's qualifying um, and got himself an absolute penalty for it. Such hamfosi. Uh, Chris? Yeah, I was going to say, remember when he, he stopped in the, the box and wouldn't go when he was told to, so Lewis couldn't get a lap in? Oh, I'm not saying he's not a git, but I'm just like, I like the passion. He's a good racing driver, speaks his mind, is quite funny. We had a conversation about this earlier in the week with regards to Alonso. Now, I, as, as far as talent goes, I do believe Fernando Alonso had the potential to be one of the greatest the sport had ever seen. Unfortunately, his attitude and the way he performs is what completely derailed his career. And that's why no one will touch him. Well, there's a great stat, like seven more points in his career would have won him three more titles, like one more point in 07, three more points in 10 and 12, three extra world titles right there. He's just delusional. If he thinks that he's going to get back into a Formula One car, uh, I can't see that happening. They don't want him in uh, America for the Indy. They, he's screwed over, what, three teams now, really, in Formula One, and they've seen how he disrupts things. I think if he thinks that he's coming back into Formula One, someone should take him aside and hit him on the head with a hammer or something and try and get some sense into it. Shut up, Steve, with your perfectly reasonable opinions. Uh, I asked you to prepare some testing predictions. We've had some from Jeansy Van Jean already. Steve, uh, have you got any predictions for testing? What are we going to see if we tune in to Barcelona? Steve, you've been on mute this whole time. I was just hoping you would realise so I didn't have to edit it. Oh, sorry. Yes, well, that's all right. I, 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 if you'd have seen at any point and I'm muted, then I, the silence would be automatically trimmed. Uh, <laughs> sorry. But now okay, I have mind. to edit the audio and you have to edit, edit lots of... Uh, why did you think we were dancing? Uh, I got, no, I, maybe I thought you were agreeing with what I was saying. No, but let's, let's hear it. Steve, what, <laughs> what are your predictions for Barcelona? <laughs> okay, well, I think my predictions are that whether we like it or not, Merck will run at the front. At the end of the two, three days, they'll be the strongest team because that's who they are. I think Ferrari will be closer to them this year, and I think that Red Bull will be right there with them. They'll, they'll be very tight at the top. Really? You, now, you, you're yes. really optimistic on Red Bull? Uh, uh, yes, I think they'll be really good this year. I, there's a lot of positivity about the team. I think they'll be good. Um, and I'm not a Red Bull fan, remember? So for me to say that, I've got to, there's got to be something pretty good going on. Now, in terms of wild and sensible predictions, my wild prediction, and this is really wild, is that Renault will come out and surprise everybody and run with those the top three and be right up there with them. <laughs> How wild is that? We didn't say joke predictions, Steve, Amy. <laughs> what I think you've done, I think you've deliberately misunderstood what I was asking for to great comic effect. Thank you. Let's go to Chris Stevens at Chris on Racing. That's me. Yeah, plugged you. That's what we do here. We reciprocate. We look after each other. Yeah, man. Love you. Um, okay, now you made it weird, but okay, let's let's roll through. I think the Red Bull will set the ultimate pace, but I think... Really? Wow, yeah. gosh. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Why wouldn't they sound, why, why would they reveal it? Because they can. Okay. I also think that Racing Point will do the most number of laps. Oh, okay. That's good. Well, you see, there's two things there. They've got a reliable engine, haven't they? Yeah. they they've got two really solid drivers, to be fair. Like Perez and Stroll are drivers who will lap 
all day long. So there's not going to be, you're not going to see Perez and Stroll, oh, they've binned it into turn three. So yeah, they have every potential to do tons of laps. Uh, hang on, Gene Z, quickly. I'm pretty certain that in testing, um, Stroll generally ruins the car. Okay, look, if you're gonna if you're gonna come at me with prior knowledge, right, that ruins my point, Gene Z. Okay, that is gonna affect your place on the show. You're here to headbutt the microphone and talk about go karts. Just stick, stick, Chris, resume this horrific interruption from Gene Z. <laughs> I also think that like a team like Renault or uh, McLaren, yeah, McLaren, right? Will maybe like top a day of testing, and then all the bookies will slash their odds on winning the no. world championship, like they did that with happened, Renault a couple of years that ago. That happened a couple. Yeah, you're right. That happened a couple of years ago, and that that shows right that with bookies, they they do react to stuff. So if like they they have to do the the, the odds, like they would have been under pressure to react to to Renault being high in the testing. But that is your opportunity if you want a cheeky pun to kind of go the opposite. I think well, there's a website, isn't it, where you can you can be the bookie. You can go the other way and you can bet against a thing. Oh, that's a whole new level for yeah, me. Yeah, I'm yeah, just yeah. getting my head around So, So if, if the bookies think that Renault are going to be up, you can you can yeah. take bets against that. But I, I forget how it works. Well, we were talking about this in the office this week, actually, and just, just after the, the Red Bull shakedown. We all kind of looked at each other and went, it's probably be a good year to just stick 50 quid on on Red Bull. Oh, don't do that. Don't. I said I wasn't going to. I said I wasn't going to put any bets on this year. I was never going to stick to that. So it, so it's fine. Uh, who haven't we had wild predictions from yet? Oh, me. Right. Okay. So I, I predict that on day three of testing, an alpha car will be in the top five of testing. So there you go. That's my, that's my wild, crazy prediction, Chris. That is amazingly specific. Yeah, exactly. What yeah. Time? I, what time? Uh, I would say around like noon. So lunch. That's what <laughs> I think. So if, as, as a few of the teams come in for lunch, they'll be like, no, I'm all right. I had quite a heavy breakfast. I'm, I'm good to carry on for a bit. And they'll go, great. One of four alpha drivers do that. Yeah, good. So I didn't prepare any predictions. Is that, but you can't tell anything from testing. What I like is seeing the cars going round on track. There will be a bit of drama as some of the cars have reliability issues, McLaren and Ferrari. Uh, but apart from that, it's it's just a chance to get to get back into the spirit of Formula One and prep yourself for Australia. Does anyone check the weather for next week in Catalonia? Because you know, depending on on how it goes, I mean, we've had snow you know, a couple of years ago, or was it last year? And uh, no one runs and. Uh, when I went, it was uh, literally 10 degrees track temperature and no one would go out because even on the super soft, hyper soft tires, whatever they had that year, uh, you, you could not build any temperature and they'd go off at, at turn three and smack it in a barrier. So, Well, I tell you what, the chat room, they're, they're putting a punt on. Uh, At just says he's going to put five bitcoins on Red Bull. I don't know if five bitcoins is a lot or, 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 or next to nothing. I don't know. Um, there's some bets on Grosjean who inexplicably is still driving for Haas. Did we cover Haas in the launches? I'm assuming they have not launched. Because they did what I would not recommend. I I really hope I one day gets put on an F1 launch event. Like That'll be the peak of my career. Because one thing I will not do is just slap the photos onto a media site. Oh my God, we've been talking for ages. I've not noticed the time go by. At some point, everybody has to go to bed, or in Steve's case... I guess you have to have some breakfast at some point. Thanks for getting up and joining us. Uh, Steve Amy, our video guy. If you check us out on YouTube, 
You might be a regular podcast listener. However, we do try to put on a half-decent video production, and sometimes I even listen to some of Steve's instructions, which is when it looks okay. So you can join us on a live stream, generally sort of 8 p.m. UK time, uh, or you can catch the finished video that Steve lovingly edits together by looking for Missed Apex Podcast on YouTube. You can subscribe to us in audio form as well, and do do so. So if you're one of these people who waits for me to do a social media post, I will invariably let you down. So do subscribe on your podcatcher of choice. If you're struggling with that, feel free to post in the Facebook group uh, or email me spannersready at gmail.com and I'll, I'll help you out with that. But at least you'll get it the second it's delivered. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. So it should be ready for you. Uh, sorry, Australia, we might not meet that criteria but just about everywhere else in the world, it should be ready for you to, to drive to work uh, with. And you can support us as well uh, on Patreon, uh, patreon.com forward slash Missed Apex. We will provide you then with a separate RSS feed to add to your podcast player, which will be ad free. And you can unlock that for $1.99, $5 tiers and above. Uh, you can join us in our Slack group and you'll get access to our patron only podcast, w- which is worse content, but we do kind of... It's maybe a bit more personal, but we do appreciate your support. Patreon.com forward slash Missed Apex. And I must find out what is distracting Van Jean in the chat room. Um, so when talking about um, Steve not mute, uh, being on mute, um, I was happy that I hadn't made an um, <laughs> audio faux pas. And they said, I've still got time to headbutt the mic. And now there are people trying to pay money for me to headbutt the mic. So someone has so EJ Hammer has donated um, two pounds for me to headbutt the mic. I said it needs to be a tenner before I headbutt well, no, the well, mic. Connor, so, Connor's so just still done eight quid. Well, Connor's just done it as well. So as much as I like audio quantity quality, uh, uh, firstly, Jeansy, are you aware that you actually did genuinely hit your mic earlier and do a big kind of boom sound? Definitely didn't. You're not. You, de- no, you definitely didn't. Okay, you definitely did. But come on, it. let's play the hits. No one saw it. Play the hits, Jeansy. Get it over with. Huh? <laughs> Do it. Yeah, it sounded just like that before as well. Uh, right, Alex Van Jean on Twitter. Go and follow him at Alex V-A-N-G-E-E-N. We will be back sometime in the week. I think we're going to catch up with Matthew Summerfield, Summers F1. Uh, and we're going to be here on Sunday, I believe, with Matthew Carter. So. Matthew Carter, former Lotus F1 CEO, is going to come and join us in the shed. And I don't know why everybody on the panel is reminding me that it's time for comment of the week, as if I would ever forget that. Comment of the week. In fact, I'll go as far as to say, how dare you? I definitely would have. Yeah, I would have forgotten. Uh, Chris, do we have any contenders for comment of the week? I do. I do have some contenders. Um... Uh, we have uh, Patrick uh, Walsh to start uh, in response to us talking about uh, potential Chinese Grand Prix replacements. Get rid of France and Abu Dhabi. Job done. Couldn't agree more. Uh, Christopher Fonseca, when he found out that I was in control of comment of the week. Oh, here we uh, he go. Said, he said, isn't Formula E the best, right, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Formula E. I genuinely, I do like watching Formula E. I just don't have the same passion at the moment. Uh, obviously our, our e-radio show, Chris is unable to do it. And I don't think I'm breaking any confidentiality to just say that there is a conflict of in- interest. 
And that's why yeah. you can no, you can no longer do e-radio. Uh, Matt happens to unluckily be away for this uh, Mexico e-pre. So we're struggling at the moment with e-radio. And I I could fake it. I could fake it until we make it and do a, a patchwork job and watch it and review it. But if I'm if I'm totally honest, I just I don't quite have the same passion for it at the moment until it gets off of street circuits. That's my sticking point, Steve. So n- never, never happen then. Yeah, Steve. Um, when Chris has finished, I've got a couple that I want to throw in too. Oh, of course. Well, let's get through. We're very good. Let's get through Chris's terrible ones, and then your right, probably okay. good ones. Well, okay, fine. Uh, on a similar note, uh, Neil's appels. Uh, in response to Mercedes taking lessons from Formula E, uh, not plowing into Robin Franks then, who if anybody watched the Mexico City race or no, Nick DeFree whacked. It's a, it's a really on Robin point uh, comment of the week for this F1 show. Uh, Patrick Walsh. Again? Uh, after, again? Uh, no, don't oh do yeah, the, he got two in. Don't do the same uh, guy because it makes it look like we've got a really small chat room. We've, we've got like... Well, he's just very funny. Okay, Right fine. now, we've got 364 people in and probably a couple of thousand over the course of the evening. Okay, so fine. I've just made that point clear, but do okay. Patrick's second one. Anyway, uh, after yeah the uh, Silverstone timetable, Steve has to get up at 1am for races. It's the price you pay for living in a sunny climate and having amazing beaches. You have to get up at 4am for races. Th- they already pay a terrible price. They have giant marsupials that claw at them, spiders the size of your head. Have they not suffered enough? The Australians. Uh, no, no, you have to get up at 4am. Sorry. Next. Okay. Uh, Lydia Cruz, if it's like uh, the weakest link, Vettel will be walking off stage two when we were talking about Ferrari. That's a bit harsh, isn't it? You wouldn't catch me ever slating Vettel. Jeez. I know. You are the weakest link. Lydia, Goodbye. my goodness. But yeah, that's a candidate. Yeah. And uh, after you claimed that uh, people will be underwhelmed by your tech analysis of the Red Bull, Connor Meyer comes in with, I am whelmed oh he's exactly whelmed do you know what i will take that neither under nor overwhelmed i'll have that that's is, my is that your candidate so i think that's... whelmed is winning at the moment uh yeah you... steve you've got a candidate and also i think yeah, Gigi got... has one as well right i've got a couple of quick ones one is from michael distelhoff who said and this was talking about um races being cancelled he said I'd be quite annoyed if Vietnam falls through. Uh, right. That is good. How, however, yes. however, puns can only win if Nick Alexander is on the panel. Otherwise, <laughs> they cannot win. Well, here's another one now from Clappers, um, talking about um, the new helmet colour for Lewis. And he observes that Spanners obviously had the same thought as me, that is Clappers, uh, talking about the colour when someone commented, a shiny purple helmet. No, I don't. I don't have those kind of thoughts in my head at all. Uh, thank you, Steve. Uh, Jeansy, did you have a suggestion also? Um, I, I'm not certain if Chris covered it because after I headbutted my mic, I actually broke it, had to unplug it and replug it in. So I did miss the beginning of what Chris was saying. So if he didn't pick up Christopher Secker saying um, five bitcoins will get you a Williams drive. <laughs> oh, don't. At, le- at least a test session, uh, seeing as they've gone down the Sauber approach. And uh, Williams are about to announce their seventh driver of the season. Uh, Chris, I think it's the whelmed one. Who did that? Uh, Connor Meyer. Connor Meyer, you are this week's winner of... Comment of the week. 
Well, well done, everyone. We survived without Matt Trumpets. We don't need him and his stupid, insightful points about the political state of Formula One and sound technical analysis of the team's approach to 2021. Don't worry, he's coming back. Don't worry, it won't always be like this. Follow the crew. Chris Stevens, at Chris on Racing. Alex Van Jean, at Alex Van Jean. At Spanners Ready, the show, at Missed Apex F1. Steve, go to Australia, follow him around his house. Uh, we'll try and do some tech stuff with Summers in the week. Uh, and we'll also be catching up with Matthew Carter next Sunday. And, of course, we'll be reviewing testing and all sorts. So whenever you catch up with us next, work hard, be kind, and have fun. This was Missed Apex. Jeansy doesn't like it. Jeansy doesn't like it. Jeansy, it's so much more woke. It's like super woke. I didn't say chicks. I actually said to um, Phoebe was jumping up and my daughter, my five-year-old daughter, was jumping up and down on something. And um, Kyle Powell was at my house this morning. Why? And uh, noticed that he stayed over last night. We did loads of sim racing last night. It was great fun. And um, she was going to fall off a table and hurt herself. And I said, don't worry, wounds heal. <laughs> and then I just went into it. I, I, I like the old That's yeah. terrible. It might be a little bit old hat and probably not the most PC thing in the world, but I still like it. It's also really bad parenting. I just, I don't want to judge you, but like, just to tell your kid, like, like, jump off stuff because it'll heal and you'll have a really cool scar that chicks will no, dig. No, you have to, they have to learn not to do that. And the best way for them to learn is to smash their face against the table. Not just you going, oh, don't do that. Yeah. And that- I, 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 to be fair, it's more the point I've got fed up of telling my children not to jump off things. Can I also just say, as a uh, awake person myself, uh, I am awake. Awake. I- awoke? <laughs> yes, I am awake. Yeah. You are awake. Yes, Your bed I is made, awake. so you haven't been to sleep yet. <laughs> yeah, I'm awake. Anyway. Okay. It's, yeah, I don't want to say woke. It's just grammatically wrong. Um, now we're bored now. I am disappointed in you not using the tagline. I'm not abandoning it, but that is what I say to my kids I every day before school. For one thing. <laughs> You say be kind, yet there's a video of you poking a finger in your child's face saying, you will be good at this, you will relive my dream. Oh, okay, so go and catch Tree Faces' video where I, in somewhat... Right, okay, so I'll tell you a quick story. So me and the boy, we talked to each other like that. So I did the video where I said, Brad said, let's all have fun today and, and leave the car really happy. And I'm like, no. And you can see this on my <laughs> YouTube channel, Richard Reddy, if you search it on YouTube. I said, no, right? this is not about that. This is about you living my dreams for me. Do you understand? And he gets it. My boy gets that. But on the intercom later that day, when he was racing, I was on the intercom with him and I was saying to him, you know, like, if you need to win this race, if you win this race, I will love you more. The amount I love you is conditional on your performance (laughs) in this race. So he's laughing back through the intercom. But I look to my left and there's like another dad looking at me like, oh, my God. Oh, my. Like, that is the, you're the worst parent in the world. Well, there we to be go. fair, it's not the way Treeface talks to you. It's the way your daughter talks to you that makes No, my my daughter is brutal. She destroyed you at Daytona. At, no, at Covcart. was just sat there innocently at Covcart. And I just, I mentioned, I said, I look, I don't really look 40. I could have a media age of 31. And she loudly declared, no. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. What you said was, I look 31 and I'm going to live forever. <laughs> <laughs> what you said. Yeah, and my daughter said, no, you're definitely going to die. And sorry, you're old and you look old. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 